but welcome back everybody for the the part two of this which is talking a lot about flu food um and in the first in the first podcast we kind of covered uh where you want to put your where you want to put your plots what what you want to plant um information like that and in this one we were getting to essentially talking we were talking about how how you want to put a food plot along a trail or, or along a current travel route from betting to they're they're going across your property maybe say from left to right and can you drop a, a plot close to that so that they don't have to go so far out of their way to get there you don't need to really change that deer movement but then in talking about that we were talking about uh, you mentioned, well, we haven't even talked about soft mass trees or using food plot trails to dictate some movement. So how about we start with uh, with food plot trails and then we jump into the soft mass trees? Sure. So a food plot trail is is really exactly what it sounds like. It, it's a it's a trail planted in a food plot. So instead of having just a single area of your property planted in a food plot, it, it's just a a, a travel route planted in food. So if you have, let's say a, a bedding area on your property and you know these deer are traveling from this bedding area to a smaller food plot and they're taking a trail, if you wanted to, you could plant that in food. And that's to kind of encourage the deer to use that trail over other trails. And then it kind of leads them to where they want to go anyways, which is the food plot. But in order to make this work, you need to have a, a couple of things. The biggest thing is sunlight. That's what a lot of these food plot trails are going to be lacking because they're going to be in the timber. And if you don't have sunlight reaching the forest floor, just like with a food plot, your food plot trail is going to fail. And okay. so that the biggest thing is going to be sunlight. And there's, there's a lot of important things for these food plot trails. But the biggest thing is sunlight. And the second thing you want to try to do is try to have something that's, you know, more browse tolerant it because it's going to have to have a lot of, uh, it's going to get a lot of traffic back and forth. If it, it, it's not very wide. So you want to have something that's pretty browse tolerant. Otherwise they're going to, they're going to mow it down initially right away. And then you're not going to have a trail, a food plot trail anymore. Now they're still going to use that trail to get from the bedding area to the food plot, or maybe you can connect two different food plots with this trail and they'll still use this trail. But if, if it's uh, not planted, you know, there's just not as much incentive to, to use it. They, they could sure. use other trails as well. So, so what is a, what's a browse tolerant, uh, like seed that you'd throw down there? So uh, different varieties of clover. So you got Ladino clover or Ladino clover, you got Dutch clover. And with, with clovers, you always want to try to throw down a mix because different clovers are going to do better with different soil types. And you can throw down uh, perennials which come back every year and you can also mix in a few annuals Th those will those will come back for one growing season so if you planted them in the fall they'll come back in the spring go to seed and then if you if you mow them down that, then they most likely won't come back but yeah you want to have something that's pretty uh browse town like a clover uh, maybe uh some chicory uh maybe in, in, around Labor Day or, or, or mid-September, throw down some cereal rye as well, or some winter wheat. That, this, that way you have a, a nice green base, a nice green trail to, uh, to keep the deer interested as they're moving from bedding to feeding or from a gotcha. food plot to another food plot. And one of the byproducts you're gonna have from 
letting all this sunlight in is on the side of this trail, it's going to get really, really thick. So not only are the, is the food plot going to get a lot of sun, but everything on the side of the food plot is going to get a lot of sun. So you're going to have a, a trail if you walk down it, which, which you, this is, you don't want, you don't want to do that during the hunting season. So you, you don't want, you don't want to go down these trails during the hunting season just for the deer. But if you were to walk down and you look to the side, like you, you're not going to be able to see anything because it's so thick because okay. there's so much sunlight hitting the floor, forest floor now that everything's able to grow. And yeah. so that, what that does is it really makes the deer feel comfortable moving around your property. And gotcha. so and if, you, and if, if it wasn't thick like that, it, it, in the first year it might not be, but if, when it's not thick like that, and if you try to plant a trail like that, the, the deer will not use it or they won't use it very much because they won't feel safe, especially like the, the those older bucks that we're all after that they're just not going to use that trail because it's, it's, it's way too open. They, they want to make sure that they're, they're safe in there. Gotcha. So then what, so then planting, that was one of my questions. So essentially like planting a four wheel trail on your property is probably a poor idea. It, I guess it would like, depend on when you're using it. So if you're using the four wheeler to access your stands, like to, to get to your deer stands then then don't plant it. So I act my I have access roads around my property that, that I've made. So during the off season, like right now, I can get around my property very easily. And that's really what I use for my food plot trails. So right now, like my food plot trails are on, on they're only on one side of my property. And then the other side, they're just dirt. But really the, the north side of my property is all green trails. And then I use those almost every day to, to move around my property. But during the hunting season, I do not use those. I just walk around the edge and then I, I pop into stands looking into sure. those trails or into food plots or into bedding areas. So, and, and the clover or chicory or cereal rye that you plant is all that's resistant to being driven over multiple yes, times. Yep. And, and that's why on, my, on this property right now, a lot of my food plots are, I have, I have a lot of smaller food plots, a lot of trail food plots. And so a, a lot of them are planted in these perennial blends because my, my kids, they drive everywhere back there right now. And so I, until they get old enough to go to school, I don't want to limit what they can do. So if I planted more annual blends that aren't, or food plot varieties that aren't as tolerant to a lot of this traffic, you know, yeah. I, they would die. So I, I need something that can withstand the, the, the beating of like four wheelers and, you know, lawnmowers every yeah. other day. So I need to, so that's why most of my stuff is planted like that, but it works. Like gotcha. the, the deer still like it. Yeah. And then, and you would, you would use like a, a herbicide or something like that on it every year, just to keep the weeds down or how do you do that? So there's a couple things you can do the, the, the very first application of, so the, the, the very first planting I did was in the fall, the, the, a couple of years ago in the fall. And okay. Prior to that, I wanted to make sure that I, I went in with as weed-free of a food plot as possible. So I, I did use herbicide to clear out all most of the weeds. And so I started that right about now. Uh, right about, I maybe mean, it was a little bit, this is uh, late May right now. So I think I did it in mid-May was my first application of glyphosate in 2,4-D. And glyphosate will kill everything. And 2,4-D will kill just broadleaf weeds. And so I mixed that in with a backpack sprayer and I sprayed all my food plots. 
plants. And I did that a few times during the summer, whenever the weeds would get about six to eight inches tall, I'd go back and I'd spray the weeds. And then that left me with basically bare dirt going into the fall. And then I broadcast my uh, food plot blend into, or my, my clover seeds onto my trails. And then the first fall, they will, they'll germinate, they'll grow, but they don't do that well because clover, the perennial clover really wants to work on its root system before it starts putting on growth above the ground. So it's, it's not gonna be super impressive that first fall or like immediately after planting. But, that, but that's why you wanna plant something like cereal rye or winter wheat or triticale, something like that just to, to give it almost like they call it a nurse crop. So it's helping your clover grow it, or it's giving the deer something to browse on as well. So they don't go after your clover and just pull it out and kill it. Yeah. And then by the spring, all that stuff comes back and your clover is going to come back super thick because it'll have two growing seasons, the fall and the spring before the summer, the harsh summer heat. Gotcha. But yeah, for, for, for maintenance now, anytime there, every, anytime the clover gets, I don't know, you know, eight to 10 inches and it, it starts to flower, then, then I just go back there with the lawnmower and mow it. But you don't even, you don't necessarily have to mow your clover. I just do it because we walk those trails a lot and my daughter's so young that she wouldn't be able to get through it if, if I didn't keep it mowed. So sure. I, I go back there and mow it. Like the, the deer would keep it uh, mowed down pretty good if, if I, you know, if I, if she, once she gets older, I don't necessarily have to do it. But I, you do want to keep your weeds at bay. And that's where like, it, like I, I do spray two different herbicides on it that are uh, selective herbicides. One is a, a grass specific herbicide called clethodim. And so the, if I spray that on, on my clover or my, or my perennial food plots, any food plot, it, it just targets grasses. Okay. So you don't want to get this. If you have a switchgrass screen next to your food plot, you, you want to make sure you keep this away from that <laughs> or you, you know where you're spraying because it'll kill your switchgrass. Yeah. And then there's another one, which is a selective herbicide, which will target your broadleaf species, but leave your clover alone. And that's 2,4-DB or the, I think the product that I have is called Buterac 200. And so it, it's pretty much a, a watered down version of 2,4-D. And you, you spray that on all your perennial plots, clover plots, because yeah. it, it will will kill chicory so if you have a clover chicory plot and you throw two four uh or butyrac 200 on it it'll kill the chicory got it okay. so you want to be careful <laughs> with that one yeah but okay and that just then that'll help keep all those other weeds down um it keeps the weeds down yep and, and sure. once you kind of get in once you kind of keep the weeds down for you know a year or two that clover comes back so thick again as long as you are keeping the the plot in full sun or as close to full sun as you can. You're monitoring the soil with soil tests. You're doing everything you need to do. That clover is going to come back and it's going to come back really thick. Just think, think about trying to get clover out of your lawn, right? It's, it's tough to do. Right. You, yeah. You I got all that nice, stuff all over. Nice clover plots in my lawn. Over, right over. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. So the, and then with that food plot trail, like if you're intending on doing one, does it always need to lead to an actual plot or can you just plant a trail in clover? Well, everything that I like to do on my property, I want it to have some sort of a purpose to it. So I guess it, you, you could, you, you could really 
plant anything as long as it's a spot on your property is getting enough sunlight and you've worked on the soil and it's you know and if you really want to plant that spot you clover will grow anywhere as long as it's as long as you have the right you know conditions for it but you want to make sure it's working for you right like if you're yeah. planting a, a green strip of of clover on your property it's, it's going to draw a deer there so you, you want to just make sure that it, it's not drawing them to the wrong spot sure so you yeah, make sure yeah, it, it makes that's... sense from from a hunting aspect as well yeah and then my thought there is i like you know we have four wheel trails on our property on our property obviously and uh if if i were to go out and just plant a bunch like certain sections of these four wheel trails like kind of like yep. the dead ends right just plant mm -hmm. those it'd kind of be like a trail that's also a, a four wheel or it'd be a four wheel trail that's also a food plot that's also kind of like a food trail but i don't have like the half acre plot on the end of it you know um, i don't oh, have yeah yeah it out. as long as they don't necessarily have to 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 end it somewhere but if, like if, if you're if you know the deer are taking like an old logging road because that's just the easiest place for them to to get from point a to point b and let's say a quarter a quarter mile away you do have some a larger you know crop field that they're heading to and they're and they're taking your logging road to get there you could absolutely plant that logging road and that could be that could essentially be your the food plot on your property you just need to make sure that you you can you know you're not using that for access because if it, if you're walking that they're going to smell you they're you're, you're going to eventually bump them off there and then you're going to just turn your property nocturnal so that's okay. a that's another thing about these food plot trails you know you you can plant you can plant trails but like when i say trail I'm not it's not a human trail it's not your trail to get from to get to your stand it's a it's a it's for the deer only during season for sure during, during season yeah right now yeah there's probably hardly any deer on my property because they get harassed every day <laughs> sure um okay yeah that's that's all good info and i'm just trying to think about these scenarios in my head or scenarios other people might have but i think yeah i mean if you were to plant a food plot trail in on on a four-wheel area that that can be a dead end or isn't super highly used or you can limit access to in the fall and yep. it's in an area that you can hunt and there's deer currently using it um that is that's a very feasible uh opportunity for you without having to clear a big chunk of land or, or clear a ton of trees to to right. have a little food yeah. plot. i have a yep. yeah and, and it, i'm thinking oh, about right, right now we have like um probably like an 80 yard now maybe a 100 yard trail that breaks off another trail and it's just a dead end. It's just hundred yards long and it just dead ends and gives us a little access to an area that nobody it's pretty rocky trail. Um, and not like, uh, not like gravel, but like big boulders. So no one really goes on it cause it's a hard drive, but the end of it is, is, is not rocky. It's, it's just nice soft dirt and everything. And I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking like, this might be a good spot. It's probably be like a 40 yard stretch that I could plant could open up a little bit. Uh, we had a tornado come through a few years ago. So a lot of those trees are just bent over, like literally like a bunch of trees on our property are like curved because uh, of this wind, um, this tornado that came through. So yeah, I mean, I could, I could easily, you know, take a chainsaw and just drop those and open up that, uh, cause they're not going to be good timber value anyway. I have, most of them are broken and, 
think it just needs a lot of that just needs to be cleared and cut for new growth. And that would be, uh, that'd be a good opportunity to do that is, is clear, you know, 10, 15, 20 of those trees. And then I get some sunlight in and I could plant that and it's, and it's huntable. So it's a, it's a yeah. position. So that's, that's, that's just the thought um, that I'm having right now. And if, if you guys are thinking about your own property, you know, are there, are there those dead ends that you could limit access to? Yeah. But even the, you said there's part of your trail or your, your access road that is, is kind of more rock and gravel. You could, if, if it's a spot that you still think that you want to plant that, like you can get around it. Okay. And it would make sense. You could like the clover might not do as well the first year, but the cereal rye would probably grow there. It might not be as thick as where you have, you know, not as rocky ground, but it'll still yeah. come in pretty good. That stuff okay. will grow anywhere. Gotcha. Then eventually, like the next year, if you can just lay that stuff down or, or mulch it on top of that gravel and you do that for a couple of years, you can start building your soil on top of that stuff, on top of those rocks. And then, you know, years down the road, as long as you don't turn it over, you're going to have dirt on top of there. Yeah. So currently there's, I mean, the forest, the, the floor of this trail is just covered in leaves, right? Just dead leaves. Okay. Um, yep. I mean, would that, would that require a burn off first? You don't necessarily have to burn it. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of guys that, that do burn like with prescribed fire and you know, they're, the results from that are amazing. I have personally never done it. It scares the crap out of me. So <laughs> I just use, I just use a leaf blower and I, I just clear it, clear it that way. Or I use a rake and a tarp and, and move, move sure. them off my food, plot, like a new food plot. That's how I do it. Yeah. And then once you have something growing on there, the leaves will kind of like lay on top and a lot of times they'll blow off and you're, you're taking trees down anyway. So that's less leaves that are coming down. Yeah. But yeah. The, 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 for an initial plot, I like to just, yeah, either blow them off or, or tarp them off, but you, okay. you could absolutely burn them. You could absolutely burn them. Yep. Yeah. All right. No. And that's, uh, I mean, I've been a part of, I think four or five prescribed burns. One of them got away from us pretty good, but uh, oh. it was on a property that was like 1300 acres. So it wasn't like, uh, it didn't get off the property, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was a very interesting scenario. The wind kind of picked up midday and just center. So yep. Took it. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. That's me. Like I, I wouldn't care necessarily as much about my property. Cause if it burnt, if it burns, you know, it's just going to help everything on my property, but I don't want to be responsible for some for my neighbor. If I, if it gets away from me, right. I end up ruining his property. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, then that, then the reason I asked that it was, is essentially like, I mean, that creates that soil contact, right. That you need. And yeah. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to soft mass trees. Talk to me about those. I love hunting apple trees. Yeah, it, it, uh, me too. That's one of my favorite spots to hunt on, on our properties. And there's <laughs> an area where there's a bunch of old apple trees the, yeah, the deer are coming out of bedding, hitting these apple trees. So it's not a food plot. It's they're hitting these apple trees, but then they're heading off to the destination field. Uh, yeah. But essentially, if, if you're someone that, you know, doesn't have equipment to plant food plots, or maybe you don't have an area that you can plant food plots, or, or you, for whatever reason, you, you can't plant food plots or don't want to, look into soft mass trees, which are, you know, you have your, your apple trees, which are probably the most common, but you can also Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. 
Can you back up a um a minute? We're losing it. Oh, that connection. cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's so you were saying okay. You're saying you can plant apple trees and then lost you. <laughs> I can start over. All right. I forgot what, how I started that. Um, it was, I mean, you were talking about apple trees are the most common, but the other ones are. Okay. I'll just start it from there. Yeah. So, oh. so apple trees are probably the most common food plot. <laughs> Let me do it again. <laughs> no, <laughs> one of my YouTube videos where I mess up every five seconds. All right. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I try to like figure out where I was. So yeah, ap apple trees are probably the most common fruit tree that, that most of us are familiar with, but you, you don't want to overlook some of the other varieties as well. You're going to have plums. There's also pears, uh, crab apples. You know, you know, these are some of the more overlooked fruit trees that, that you can plant on your properties. You know, apple trees, you know, they're, they're not hard to plant, but they're, so they can be a little bit more finicky where like your crab apples, they're a little bit more resistant and, you know, a little bit more disease resistant. Same with pears. Like they're, they're, they're a little bit easier than apples. A apples are great. Don't get me wrong. Apples are great, but there's, there's also a lot of properties that have wild apples on them. And if you, there's not very many properties that have a wild pear tree, right? So if you right. can give the deer something on your property that they don't have anywhere else, that's just another attraction, another draw for them to come to that spot. And so, and, and really, I don't approach planting fruit trees any differently than I do a food plot. So I'm trying to get them, I'm trying to draw them out of a bedding location with this food. So I'm going to be putting that somewhere that I can hunt them. You know, either it's going to be very similar to like a staging plot that we talked about in the, in the first podcast. Like, so it's going to be they're, they're going to be coming out of bedding. I kind of know where they want to be going. I'm going to be planting, if possible, fruit trees along the way so that I can hunt, you know, downwind of that to, to have shot opportunities. And yeah. with planting fruit trees, there are some things you have to kind of watch out for. And it's, it's very similar to food plots in, in that they have to have a lot of sunlight. So you, you can't plant these things in the middle of the woods and, and think they're going to survive. There's, if it's a closed canopy forest, there's a reason that there's nothing growing underneath. It's because there's no sunlight, so there, nothing can grow. You have to have a spot where you're either taking the trees down or it's already an open area that's getting a lot of sun. Because if these trees don't get sun in the spring, there's a lot of late frosts. And when that frost comes through, and it, it can kill the buds if it's on there for too long. And then it'll kill the flowers, and then you're not going to have any fruit. So what, how that, why having sun's important, especially morning sun and, and, and you want to, if you can, you want southerly, southerly sun, because that's going to warm up those trees a little bit faster to melt that frost or get the frost, you know, dry them out. And that's just going to, you know, help you combat that frost. Like yeah, you, yeah. you see like the big orchards, like the commercial operations, they're out there with fans and they're burning pallets and all that stuff to keep their trees warm. But we can't do that on our properties. We can't go out there and burn pallets next to our, our fruit trees. You know, we have to plant them in the correct spot just to give them the best chance to, to survive naturally. So yeah, plenty of sunlight so they can grow. If you, if possible, plant on the northern side of, of a, you know, a south facing slope, or, you know, try to get morning sun. And then that, that's just to help them from the frost. 
but you also have to protect them from animals as well. Like it's not, depending on where you're at, you know, it's not just deer you have to worry about. You got to worry about rabbits chewing on them, mice, uh, bears. So I know some guys will just put like a tube on them and that'll protect them for a few years. I will take a bunch of T-posts and surround my tree and then just get chicken wire fence and surround my apple trees and my pear trees. And I'll stick them on there until they're, they're big enough to where I think like, okay, this tree can make it on its own. And okay. so most of the trees I've, I've had this property for two and a half years, all the fruit trees that I've planted still have the cages on them. And really the, the it'll just, the, the branches will grow over top of your, your cages. And then it's almost like a little um, seclusion cage too. Cause a lot of these are in food plots, whether it's a, a destination type plot or a staging plot. And so if your food plot blend gets broadcasted into those cages. And so you can, it's a good way to, to gauge, like, are they browsing my food plot too? Because you can see your food plot is a lot lower than what's in your fruit tree sure. cage. Like, so you know that they're out there hammering it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, in planting those, those trees, like what age are you buying those trees? You know, you're probably not just buying the seed. You're probably buying them a year right. or something. So, yeah. There's a, it, that's a, I spend, so it's going to different age trees are going to cost a little bit more. There's, there's bare root, uh, planting trees or root stock. And that's going to be basically like a stick wrapped in burlap with roots on the bottom. And you can stick that in the ground and then, you know, make sure to cage it. And then that will grow. It's going to take a lot longer for that tree to mature and, and bear fruit. And it, th those ones are going to be a little bit more finicky. You're going to have probably your, your failure rate is going to be a little higher on those. And, and as opposed to buying like a, a container, like a container stock tree, those are the ones you'll see at like the, the big box stores or your, uh, your greenhouses. Okay. And that's what I buy. I buy the ones in container. They're just going to have a, a better root system. They're going to be older. They're going to be maybe three years old, three, four years old when you buy them. And so when you put those in the ground, they're going to bear fruit much sooner. And they're going to have a, and because they're older, they're going to have a better chance at surviving. Now you are going to pay a lot more for those. It could, you could be anywhere from, depending where you're buying it from, $30 to $50 for the, the tree but you're going to have a, a higher success rate and they're going to provide fruit for you a lot sooner. Gotcha. But okay. another thing, when you're buying your tree or your rootstock or whatever you're buying, try your best to buy a tree that was grown in the same climate as you, the same zone. So okay. what I mean, like I'm in Michigan, you're in Wisconsin. We don't want to be buying trees from Missouri because right. even if it's a, even if it's a cold hardy tree, because that tree, the, the tree it came from, isn't used to cold weather, you know, not like cold weather like we have. So those trees, there's a greater chance that they're not going to make it. You want to buy a tree from your local greenhouse or, you know, from some other, there's a lot of great wildlife, uh, you know, fruit tree distributors out there and they'll, they have, they have great products, but make sure that when you're, when you're looking at the tag, it'll tell you a lot of times where it was grown, which nursery it came from, and just make sure it's somewhere close to the same climate or zone that you're in. You just, you don't want to have something that's coming from Tennessee and you're bringing it up to Wisconsin. And then that, that tree is just not going to 
turn out very well. So that's right. where a lot of, like if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you see these fruit trees are on sale, you might think, oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of these. But you look at the tag and they're, they're all from Missouri. And you're like, okay, well, you know, they worked for two years, but then you got a really cold winter and then half your trees die. Right. No, that's so, a great point. That is a yeah. great point that I would have never thought of or anything <laughs> like yeah. that. Um, yeah, because the guys from the South always talk about persimmon trees, but yep. I can imagine that they they probably I've never seen one up here in Wisconsin. Like they no. probably just don't grow in cold climates. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's a it's a tough one to, to get to grow in a in colder temperature. There are some people in southern Michigan, like where, where I'm at, that, that do have a few, but I've never planted them just because of what you said. I, I just feel like my, I would rather plant something that I know is going to succeed and, and, and thrive than something that, you know, maybe will work. Sure. But eventually I'll, I'll probably grab a few that if I find a place selling them, you know, close to me that I think, or, or maybe get some cuttings from someone and, and try to pot it and, yeah. and transplant it. But yeah, I haven't planted persimmons yet. At least, at least on my property here in Michigan for, for that exact reason. Yeah. So out of curiosity, like, is there a reason thinking in my head, like if you're making a small plot, right? Not, maybe not even a half acre, maybe even less than an acre or a half acre. Yep. Is there a reason you wouldn't want to plant like a fruit tree mixed in that with that plot? I can't think if it's, if it's a large enough plot or, or not large, but like you said, it's a little under a half acre and it's a food plot and it's a more of a maybe a hunting plot i wouldn't think that there's or yeah i can't think of a reason why that you would not want to plant a fruit tree there it's going to add diversity to your plot it's going to add another attraction to your plot you know right i would i would say absolutely now if you're going to put those there i would try to put it somewhere close to a stand so let's say your stand is on one side of the the food plot you know because you're gonna hunt it with a, a certain type of wind that's how that food plot set up put that tree you know within 25 yards of your stand and then eventually when that tree is old when it grows it, they're gonna come to that tree to scrape you know don't do it initially because they'll kill it but you know once that tree can hold its own they're gonna scrape under it they're gonna come under there to feed you know that's gonna be a huge draw to to the deer even just within that one plot, like they're going to come for the pears of the apples, the crab apples, but they're, but they're also going to see that tree and they're going to come to scrape under it. So sure. I, I would, I, I would plant it in food plots. Most of my food plots, if, as long as they're getting enough sunlight, they have uh, fruit trees in them. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was just, I mean, yeah, you see all these, uh, all these giant plots that don't have trees in them. And maybe it's just because people don't want to wait that long for the, the food. Right. Cause how, yeah. I mean, how many years are we talking before you actually get some, some fruit out of it? So that, that's going to depend a little bit on your, on your strategy <laughs> on like. Assuming you, you buy like a four-year-old or a three or four-year-old, a container tree. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could, you could have fruit uh, probably in two years. So I, okay. I bought a couple pear trees on my property and I, I bought the containers. So they're probably, you know, three to five years old, anywhere in there. I planted them. And I think the second year I got, <clears throat> I had pears on them. Now I, I didn't necessarily want to have pears on them because, so what I did is in the spring, they start to flower. These trees start to flower. And that's when 
that's each flower is a potential fruit as long as it gets pollinated. So what I went and did is I, I learned this from a, uh, an, a guy that owns an orchard, what he does with his new trees. He, he goes around and he picks all the flowers off of his new trees because he does not want his new trees to produce any fruit because one, it's, it gets heavy, can weigh down the branches if they get too much fruit. But also he doesn't want that tree to put any energy into making fruit. He wants that tree to put all of its energy into its root system and into growing. So for the first couple years, he knows that he's not gonna get a whole lot of fruit off that tree anyways. So he's, he just goes in there and he plucks all the flowers off. So again, the tree can just work on growing and establishing, becoming healthy. And then maybe three years down the road, so now so maybe now the tree is six to eight years old, then he lets it go, right? And then he's gonna have a lot more fruit on it than if he would have let it have fruit, you know, the first two, two or three years that he had yeah. it. So oh, that makes if, sense. You, if you look, if you try, if you think, if you try to plant ahead a little bit, you know, three, three years, let's say you plant a fruit tree three years from now, if you don't do anything, it's going to have, it's going to have fruit on it. But if, if you pluck the flowers off for the first couple of years, that, that third year, you're going to have more fruit than if you just let it go. Right. And then, you know, let's just, you know, for rough numbers in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, the first year it bears fruit, it, it bears 10 pairs or 12 pairs. Right. Like that really will get snatched up by deer and other animals in two days, three days. Yeah. yeah that, that's not going to be much of a draw. Right. Right. Yeah. You so want that, it there's to not bear really like a point 40, to letting the 50, tree do that. Yeah. You want it to bear like 40, 50, 60 pieces of fruit, right? You want it to get nice. Yeah. And you, you want, you want it to be enough to, to, to be at draw for at least a few weeks, if not one, eventually, you know, for a good part of the season. Yeah. And there's going to be different types of, or different uh, maturity dates or for, for these, for these uh, different trees. Like you're going to have some that uh, drop, drop apples or they, or their pears in early season, or, and then there's some that'll drop late season. And those are just different varieties that you as a hunter can decide on you know one is it is it a tree that's that will grow well in my climate and two like when is this fruit when's it going to bear fruit like when, when is the fruit going to fruit going to ripen and yeah. you know do i want to hunt do i want a december draw do i want something for the rut do i want something for the pre-rut you know th those are all like depending where when the um fruit comes on that that's a huge question that you want to make sure that you're addressing for your property gotcha. I, so i don't do any early season uh apple trees or pears just because I don't normally hunt a lot of the early season. So I, I try to get them for like late October, early November. That's when I put a lot of my time in, but if, and then if they don't, if they're still hanging on there, they'll, they'll still be there in December. I've got one apple tree on my property that I don't, it was here when I got here. So, but it, it's holding apples all the way in December. So if, if that tree has fruit on it, I know where I'm sitting, you know, for the second <laughs> rut. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do you, how, how do you help dictate when they'll actually produce fruit or when they'll, how they'll still hold? Well, that, that's just the, the, the variety of the tree. Oh, okay. So diff, gotcha. Different varieties have, you know, different maturity dates there and they'll have different, uh, yeah, their, their fruit will, will ripen at a different time. So they're just different varieties of apples, different varieties of pears. 
Gotcha. But most of like, is... if you if you go to like a like a um so, someone who sells this for 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 hunters, they're not going to sell you the the stuff that 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 the commercial orchards will be we having because that, that's those are more early early sure. season like like maybe August and hunters don't want to have those on their property for the most part. They they want the stuff that that ripens later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like the best the best solution. So I am totally new to this. I have no idea how to do it. My my solution would be like I have a landscaping company in town, then they have probably thousands of acres around our town that are all just planted in different different trees um, that they sell. So I would go yeah. there and be like, hey, here's what I want to do. You tell me what to buy. <laughs> and then they'll- like, Yeah, yeah. And they would probably steer you in the right direction. Yeah. That, you tell, that... tell them that you want a tree that's holding fruit in, in, you know, in November. And they'll yeah. say, okay, oh, this is what you kind of want to do. They'll probably recommend two different trees so you can have cross pollination, have a better crop, and yeah, they'll they'll set you up. Okay, yeah, that'd be that'd be my thought. So this this question might be a little bit out of your realm, but it's something that I've found interesting. There's there's certain on pieces of public and and on our our private. Um, there are certain areas where it seems like <clears throat> the trees that are currently there. So yeah, the trees that are currently there are really limiting what types of vegetation can grow around them. And <clears throat> what I mean by that is we have a walnut stand on our property. Oh yeah. Everything around there is uh, everything around yeah. the walnuts. The, it's a specific type of grass that grows there and nothing else grows. No, none of the other stuff that you find on our property, like multiflower rose or any of the other thistles or weeds or burdock or anything grows near these walnuts. Like it is only this type of grass. And I have no idea why. Do you have any explanation for that? Yeah. So the walnut, like cer certain plants or trees have what's called like allelopathic properties or pr and it, what that means is it's it's basically like natural kind of like natural herbicide in a way it okay. it's releasing something in the ground that prohibits other plants from growing it's 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 so this tree can you know grow it's on its own yeah. and not have any competition and the, the walnut has that and so that's okay. why like a lot of uh land managers don't like the walnut because it it really limits the understory like you said it, there's not a lot of stuff grown under there because because of the walnut the walnut's doing that right okay so yeah and and, and it, it actually works out really well on on our property because it's like i don't know maybe like 30 or 40 walnut trees and it butts up and then all of a sudden they just like they were planted here or something because yeah then they come right up against you know essentially a wall of thickness that's all sorts of crap and the deer really like that edge like there's always scrapes yeah, along yeah. that edge um, yeah, but because they you know they're not going to be in the walnuts because it's too wide open so it, it gives you guys good access right to and from the edge exactly so i have a i have a stand the only thing i hate about walnuts is they don't have like any sort of cover like in the tree you know they're pretty yeah. they're pretty naked so i got a stand yep. in there and it's like i don't know 20 probably 20 22 feet up and i actually set it up so that the tree is between me and that that scrape line 
So I actually like trying to okay. use the tree as cover a little bit more. So yeah. kind of sucks for when you're sitting there, you're not looking where you want to look and you just have to listen. But yeah, at the same up time, on you that way. what's that? They could sneak up on you a little easier oh, yeah. that way. Yeah. So like, it's kind of one of those stands where like, all right, I'm standing the last hour facing where I want to, you know, look essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the only way I get. Well, you have a saddle. Color. Don't you're a saddle hunter. You could, you could use this, a saddle and use the tree. Yeah, I so I do. So the first year I set up a stand there and last year I just I pulled the stand and actually I just stand on the top oh. stick. And uh, okay, and yeah, I still use that tree. Um, and it, for a while there, what I was I was using my saddle as a harness. And then I just uh, started using my stand as a platform. And I was oh, like, yeah. well, this is this is kind of a waste of a stand here, but at least I can sit when I want to sit and then I can stand and lean back if I want to do that. Yeah, um, the then, best of both worlds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of uh, overkill um, for that. So eventually I just pulled the stand and moved it somewhere else and I just hang out there now. But um, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting scenario. And the reason I asked that question is because it, if, if people are trying to think if they have like a wooded piece of property or a timber property and they're trying to create a plot, are there any certain trees that we need to really watch out for so we don't plant near them because they're just like walnuts are just going to kill my clover anyway or something like that. Yeah. Well, if it's a, a lot of mature trees, you don't want to plant, you know, too close to any of those because what they're going to do is eventually they're going to shade out what you're trying to plant. So mature trees are not really your friend when it comes to deer habitat. Okay. You know, for access, like having having it where you guys have to come in and out of your property, that's okay because those deer aren't going to really want to be in there anyways. They're going to want to stick to those thicker areas and those thicker edges. But if you're trying to plant a food plot, you know, within a bunch of you know mature trees, regardless if it's walnut or not, like the success is is going to be lowered. You want to sure. you know have a clearing, for, you know, clear it out. For the most like you want to have full sun yeah in that area even, i guess yeah like, I'm, oh. I'm thinking like if you're clearing if you're clearing an area and there's you know a giant walnut there you're just like oh, I'll, I'll leave that one i'll leave that one up and that'll be like the back end of my food plot and then i'll work okay my, you know i'll work 50 yards away from it and you know it'll be a 50 50 by 20 or 50 by 30 yard plot um like is that is there a tree that would essentially like if you backed up to it would that walnut just kill all my clover when i plant it yeah or i'm not, I'm not sure I, I i don't i am not sure on that okay I've, I've never done that or, or never had a, a walnut right next to the food plot i i do know that it it does suppress a lot of uh a lot of different species i'm not sure if clover is one of them because I, I just never ran into that yeah that, no, and that's why I said this question could be totally yeah. like off the ballpark. I'm just thinking like, you know, it's, it's, and when I clear the canopy, you know, for an area, if there's like a, a tree or something in that area where I'm like, I'm like, ah, like it's already big enough. I don't need to cut this tree down. This one can stay, you know, at what yeah. point do I stop cutting? And yeah, you, uh, yeah, eventually you have to stop cutting. You're, you're right? right. Yeah. And then there might be a, a tree there that is, that has those, what was it? Laleopathic properties. Yeah. Laleopathic. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, no, that thing's, even though like I'm done clearing my plot, this one still needs to go because this one could kill, 
whatever seed I'm trying to play. Yeah, for sure, for sure the walnut. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure of any other ones that are okay that that, that do it like as much as the walnut does. Yeah, there's and there's one other one, and I I like this. I'm a I'm a terrible forester. It's one of those things that I need to I need to get better at. Um, which it, there's a, I I don't think it's a box elder. But um, it's kind of this this one area on this piece of public. You kind of like enter in through a screen, and the these trees are all um, they're not straight by any means. They're all just scraggly. They go up about twenty feet, and it's just a thick canopy. And the only thing that grows on the forest floor there is like really really small clover, and that's it. Hmm. You know, it's just totally clean. I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a Snapchat of it when I go out there next time. But okay. uh, but yeah, it was, it was one of those, one of those things that I was just like, okay, like this is a cool spot and it draws a lot of hunters. Like I put a camera there. There's some good deer trails that go through there. Cause it's everything under 10 feet is wide open. So you can walk in there and you could sit on the ground and you could see at like everything. Yeah. Yeah. For 80 yards. Um, and it's all like this nice green clover. So I put a camera in there and, uh, and it just draws hunters like a magnet and zero deer. So um it was it was one of those interesting scenarios and i was i also was wondering about that because you know it's not just like you can just throw clover on the ground and hope that it grows because in this these trees obviously kill everything else that tries yeah there's going to be some yeah some some random yeah property specific issues that everyone's gonna have to deal with whether whether it's that or whether Mm -hmm. it's soil type that you're working with or maybe yeah, someone might have rockier soil, sandier soil. You know, there's yeah. al- there's always going to be something that you're working with or dealing with. Some people might have a, a really bad in- invasive problem. So if they clear out trees, like you mentioned, multi-floor rows, those those things spread like crazy. So like you, yeah. if you cut that, no, the deer happen to really like them. I have I have them on my property too. Mm. So yeah, that's a, that's a fight. Yeah, that every property can have a, a, a certain issue there that, that they're dealing with. For sure. Yeah, that's a that's a fight I'm fighting against my dad because he wants everything of multiflora is gone, even in the areas that we never go. And I'm like, no, like let's try to leave some of that because I mean, literally this last season, uh, Buddy and I were sitting in a sitting in a stand and a buck and a doe and a, a mature buck, like a buck we were trying to kill, um, stood up at 80 yards in a multiflora rose patch with a doe. Um, you know, and yeah. we're like, there he, like my buddy Parker just, he's just, he's there the whole time. There he just, yeah. what's that? He's been there the whole time, you know, yeah. he, he loves that stuff. Exactly. And, and how, how we got into the stand without him knowing us had to only be because like he was blinded by the multiple rows. Like we had the wind in our favor, but we got into the stand and we were just sitting there and we had been there for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And Parker just starts looking through his binos or just looking around and he goes oh shit dude that's that shooter right there at 80 yards he's just standing there what the hell's going on you know and we were looking at him Mm -hmm. and yeah he just he must have just stood up and another small buck came through or two other small bucks came through but in in a multiplier rose patch so it's not it's not necessarily that it's the most awful thing in the world like it sucks and it's annoying to walk through and everything and, and we can limit it to certain areas is what we're trying to do same with burdock like uh, i hate burdock <laughs> yeah i've got a bunch of autumn olive like for invasive wise i've got autumn olive and then multiflora rose but like so I, i'm not letting it spread anywhere but for, for right now like i 
eventually I'll, I'll go in there and, and try to take care of it. But I, I don't, what I don't want to do is remove it all right now and be left with nothing. Very similar to what you're sure. talking about. Like once I go into the areas and, and let more sunlight in and get more natural, you know, growth or, or more native growth, then I'll go in there and remove multi-floor rows and automob in those areas. But until then, like until I'm working on those certain spots, like if, if I go and remove it all, then I just removed all my bedding. I removed all my cover. And then right. I'm, spacing, I'm, you know, two to three years before that stuff comes back. So, yeah, I know that's what, not, this isn't food plot talk, but no, that's a good, uh, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't want invasives, but I don't want to days. I don't want to wipe them all out the first year because then I'm going to, I'm going to be left with nothing. Yeah. No, I, I agree. What's a, what's a good, uh, like natural replacement for that? What's a good cover that you can plant? Well, there should be like your, your seed bank has a bunch of, you know, native seeds in it already. So really once you start taking like multi-floor rose is really shade tolerant. So okay. that's why it's growing right now in those areas. Cause you have that closed canopy, that multi-floor rose is coming up. And that's the same thing on my property too, where, where I have more of a closed canopy woods where we haven't done a lot of work, that multi-floor rose is really thick. And the, the deer really like it in there. It's really thick. And, and they know that we don't go in there cause it's, it's really nasty stuff. And so, so they spend a lot of time in there, but where there is sunlight, you're going to have a lot of new growth, whether it's anything, what's on your property, maple, cherry on our property, like a lot of the shrub stuff, we have a lot of elderberry. So okay. we have elderberry pockets wherever we open up the, the canopy and multi-floor rolls will come in there too. But in those spots, I'll, I'll kill it. I'll cut it out and I'll kill it because I, I want to promote the native stuff. And so we have a lot of, yeah, elderberries, grapevines, young maples, young cherries, young elms. And yeah, we don't have a lot of young oaks. Those get kind of, those are slower growers and they get choked out. But gotcha. you know, what's in your seed bank already should be fine. But you, you just got to get sunlight to it. Just get sunlight to it and then it should start growing. And then as you got, get that new stuff growing, you can start cutting the invasives back. That way you, right. you're never left with nothing, but you just don't want, yeah, once it gets out of control, then it's going to be harder to, to manage for sure. I think, I think that brings up a, a good point and it's, it's mute to me cause I just don't have the time, but you don't, you do mm -hmm. like from what I'm hearing from you and, and talking to some other people is essentially like, you want to do this in like stages or portions or sections Like you don't want to yeah. just do it all at once. It's going to, drastically change the habitat so much that the deer are going to be very uninterested in your property for a while, especially if you clear away a ton of stuff. Um, yep. Yeah. So doing it in, in stages can really, really help, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to, if, if you have a, create a plan like, or a, a checklist, I guess, for, for what you want to do to your property and set realistic goals, uh, you know, how far away is your property? how much work do you actually have to do? Do you have, can you do it yourself? Do you have to hire it out? You know, you, you're not going to be able to do everything in the first year, like you said, and then also realize that we're not dealing with something that's going to happen overnight. Like a lot of this, we're waiting on trees to grow. You know, that takes a long right. time. <laughs> so you're, yeah. you, you got to be realistic on, on, on your turnaround time too. So if you, mm. You know, you clear cut this area that you want to have deer, you want to get a bunch of sunlight to the, the floor and you want this to explode with growth and you, and you come back the next spring and you don't see it to so just give it time. 
you know, right. it takes time. That, that's where like if you can do combinations of things, like if you do clear something out, you can come in and plant. You could, if you have trees that are a little smaller, you can hinge cut them, you know, then you're putting immediate cover on the ground. So there's definitely things that you can do to, to speed the process along or to help you in the interim, but you, uh, you definitely need to set realistic expectations on, on what you want to do. Even, you know, even with food plots, like if you go, you, you can't just go out there and throw, you know, soybeans down and think they're going to grow on an area that hasn't been, you know, the ground hasn't been amended or, or the correct planting depth or anything like that. You have to be realistic on what you're trying to do here. You have to, yeah. you have to put in the work. No, that makes sense. And that is a great note to end on. I don't, do we, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I can't think of anything. Uh, okay. We, we definitely covered a lot. We, I mean, we, we could talk about this stuff for forever, <laughs> but right. yeah, I, I think we, yeah, we, we covered, uh, yeah. Food plot trails. We covered the, the soft mast. Yeah. And then a bit of then, uh, yeah. uh, invasives. Invasives. We got, yeah. We got three These topics covered in, in 50 minutes. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think, I think the bottom line is you got to do the work. Everybody like after, after listening to this, I mean, the big thing is, is do your scheduling, like look at when you want your clover to grow or when you want your brassicas to grow or your chicory or your cereal rye or your fruit tree, look when you want them to grow and then start clearing, start cleaning, start spraying, um, and get that stuff in the ground. And then I guess that when that stuff, when you want it to grow, you have to backtrack to, okay, when do I need to plant? When do I need to start clearing? When do I need to start spraying? And that all is dictated from, from the end goal, not necessarily, all right, it's, it's June. I want to start planting a food plot. Well, is it the right time? Is it not the right time? Like, right. what do you need to do? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Work backwards a little bit. So you or have yep. some forward thinking. So yeah. they ha have a goal, like you, you have this vision in your head and what you want your property to look like, you know, okay, what do you need to do to get it there? Yeah. And then, okay, well, I need to clear this area out. Okay. I need to amend the soil. Okay. I want my, I want this food plot to be planted in this. Okay. Well, when do I need to plant that? Well, or, okay. I need to plant on this date. Well, what does the soil need to be like when I, when I plant? So you're yeah. right. You, you, it's a, it's a lot of planning and just, just, you can't just go out there and do it. Or I guess you can, but you won't have as much success. But yeah, so yeah, the, the more me. planning and the more work you put in, the the, the more successful you'll be. Right. And you'll have better hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing is, is plant those plots in a very strategic location. Don't just put them anywhere, which we covered in the yeah, first, yeah. first episode. Yeah. Try your best. Try your best yeah. to put them in. Like if you, if you have your heart set on putting it in this one spot and it doesn't really work, I'm not going to tell you to not do it, but I guess, you know, You'll learn not to do oh, it. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I planted them in, in two spots and then I went to hunt them this fall or last fall. And I was like, these are unhuntable locations based on where the deer are coming and where the wind's blowing. Like, yep. it's just not going to happen. So I just, yeah, like, and you you'll make mistakes food. along the way. You know, everybody <laughs> makes mistakes. That's how you learn. So try your best to, to learn from your own mistakes and learn from other people's mistakes. There is so much information out there. There's, there's like, this podcast there's there's facebook groups there's other there's youtube channels there's there's so much information out there to that will really answer almost any question you have so just take the time to try to learn 
and and you'll uh, yeah, learn from other people's mistakes as much as you can because then you then you won't be making them yourself. Right. Right. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for hopping on, Jake. Appreciate it. Appreciate hey, the time, welcome. dude. Um, yeah, again, again, for anybody who missed the first episode, it is whitetail habitat management, right? On Instagram. Yep. yep. Whitetail then, habitat management on Instagram. And then YouTube is whitetail evolution. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Hey man, have a, have a good Friday and, um, we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks right, for sounds good. Yeah. Take thanks for listening, everybody. Um, hope you all enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, hit up Jake. Uh, you can find myself uh, on Instagram or Facebook. Send me on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook too much. Um, I do have a Go Wild account as well. So if you're not on Go Wild, it's a, it's a social media platform for, for like outdoorsmen, um, which certainly like as we're all seeing in today's climate, uh, hunting is not necessarily at the forefront of, of Facebook and YouTube's uh, uh, priorities. So uh, finding a social media platform that, that uh, is geared towards us and won't limit us and what we can post and what we can talk about um, is certainly, certainly a good thing for everybody in our community. So yeah, check out Go Wild. Um, I should get that guy on the podcast. I'll, I'll talk to him, see if I can. Um, and that's it. All right. Thanks everyone. Catch you later.